TII item 284, September 29th, 2013, iOS 7.0.2. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gola! Oh, yeah! My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com forward slash TII. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash TII for your free audiobook download. Today's episode is brought to you by Square Trade. Please visit squaretrade.com forward slash TII to get your discount on your iOS device warranty. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is a Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Jeffrey for sending in the music you hear in the background. Jeffrey wrote, Hi Rob, I made this song on my iPhone 4S using GarageBand connected to Audiobus and Sample Tank. Listeners of TII can follow me at, at JeffJ6 on Twitter. For free music, I write and create using iOS on a weekly basis. Regards, Jeffrey J. Thanks, Jeffrey, for the music. And folks, I will put the full song at the end of the episode. I also want to thank Martin for sending in the artwork for today's show. He wrote, Hi Rob, here is a picture I took on my iPhone 5. I used the app Average Cam Pro, actually it's A-V-G-C-A-M-P-R-O, one word, and added the text with the app Path On, two words. Regards, Martin in Fanti, Fresno, California. Martin, thanks again for sending in this artwork, and you can see Martin's artwork in the TI app in the extras for episode 284, or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash todayinios. If you have some artwork and or music you've created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email to me at todayinios at gmail.com. And please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. And I also want to thank Candy Crush for being one of our sponsors for today's show as well. Go to todayinios.com forward slash candy. Todayinios.com forward slash candy on your iPhone to go ahead and download Candy Crush if you haven't. We'll talk about that more later in the episode. In this segment of How Wrong Were They? We have the following quote. Quote, Apple just reported that it sold more than 5 million iPhones over the iPhone 5's opening weekend. This is a very disappointing number. It's below top Apple analyst Gene Munster's estimate of 6 to 10 million. Apple sold the iPhone 5 in nine countries over its opening weekend. It sold the iPhone 4S in seven, unquote. Nicholas Carlson, Business Insider, 24th of September, 2012. Seems interesting. Last year, all the analysts were too high for their estimates for the iPhone sold opening weekend. This year, they were all too low. Just saying. For promo codes on episode 283, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the app Layer Laps. I will be drawing for winners sometime in the next week for that app. If you want more info on that, go back to listen to the beginning of episode 283 for the additional details. I'll also be giving out uh, the TII promo codes here in the next day or two. So one last chance to get in your request for the TII app promo codes. A quick reminder, if you're an app dev, just Email me if you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayonios at gmail.com. 
please include a 60 second or less audio review of your app indicating you are the dev. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. If you don't have promo codes to give away, or if your app is free and you still want to get a review of your app up on the show, you can just send in the 60 second or less review of your app. Again, making sure you mention up front you are the dev and we'll work it into a future episode of the show, just not at the beginning of the show. Okay, first up, this episode is going to focus on three key things. iOS 7 update, some tips and tricks, the new iPhone 5S, 5Cs, and then your feedback. Normally when I prep an episode, I have 30 to 40 articles kind of queued up and then I go through and edit them for my show notes. Once I had over 50, this time I'm at over 130 articles. Yeah, I got a little (sighs) carried away with Evernote this time. On top of that, I have over 85 new voicemail messages. That's over two hours worth of voicemail uh, since the last, and those all came in just since the last episode. And I had even more than that on the email side. And plus I had voicemail messages from the episode before. I kind of feel like Carrie at the end of season one of Homeland when she had all those papers spread all over her apartment floor and Saul walks in and he sees it all. Well, now I, I need to be Saul and figure out how to put it all together. So here goes. By the way, I am in no way, shape, or form complaining about all the voicemail or emails you sent in. Thank you guys so much, and girls. Thank you so much for all that. That is great, and please keep sending voicemail and feedback in 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or you can go ahead and email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Thanks for all the feedback. And by the way, if your feedback doesn't get played on today's episode, don't feel bad. Less than half of the feedback that was sent in via voicemail uh, is going to get into this episode. I will do my best to try to get most of it in in future episodes. But again, if you don't hear your voicemail here, don't take it personally. Very rare that I get all the voicemails into an episode anyway. I guess you should say to those that were waiting to update to iOS 7 like I recommended you do, yes, go ahead and update now. Unless you need to jailbreak. All others, it's safe to update. And I think based on feedback from those that did already update to iOS 7, the first thing to talk about is battery life with iOS 7 or iOS 7.0.2. We'll talk about that later. Apple added some new features that are on by default. And let's just say not the best friend of your battery. If your iOS device is set up correctly, it should only lose about 2 to 3% of battery life at night. And a brand new iPhone 5S should easily make it through a whole day of work even when active use. Again, that is if it's set up correctly for battery life. I will say this, when I first got my iPhone 5S, the battery life seemed fine. Then the next day it started to tank really fast. Even when asleep, I was losing 10% an hour or more. I had an issue with test flight. So I know many of you guys out there are girls with beta testers. And if you are set up for test flight and updated to a new phone and did not let them know about your new phone to get it added to test flight, but try to download a new beta of an app, it gets into this vicious battery sucking cycle of constantly trying to re-download the app over and over and over and over. So if your battery life sucks really bad and you use test flight, check to see if you have an app that is trying to re-download all the time and delete it and then contact the folks that you're dealing with for that test flight app and make sure you get your uh, new device added into their database so that you can get the right one added so you can get it downloaded and it'll stop sucking down your battery. But for everyone else that is looking for battery life improvements that have updated to iOS 7 with both newer and older iOS devices, 
Here are a baker's dozens of tips, and mind you, some don't apply to all iOS devices running iOS 7, like this first one, which is turn off parallax. There are some that say this feature makes them motion sick, but really, I just think they're looking at their battery percentage indicator and that's what's getting them sick. Oh, hey, speaking of battery percentage indicator, had a couple people ask about that. To turn on or off the battery percentage for the battery, go to settings app, then general, then usage, and then scroll to the bottom and you'll see the toggle for battery percentage. Settings, general, usage, scroll down. Back to savings, said battery. To turn off Parallax, go to the Settings app, then General, then Accessibility, then to Reduce Motion and turn it on. Yes, turn it on. Turning on Reduce Motion turns off Parallax. Yes, clearly it's someone at Apple is just messing with our heads on that one. Second item is to turn off AirDrop. Unless you plan on using it now or in the next few minutes, there is no need to have it on. Swipe up from the bottom of the screen to get the control center, and then just tap on AirDrop near the bottom left to turn it off. Third item, and while you have the control center open, tap to turn off Bluetooth. Again, unless you plan on using it right now or in the immediate future, no need to have it on. Fourth item is also in the control center. Turn down your brightness. I find if you set it about a third of the full setting, it will still look pretty good and it will use a lot less battery life. Fifth is to turn off background app refresh, except for those apps you want to get that info for. Go to settings app, general, then background app refresh, and then turn off all those apps you don't need to update in the background, like any games, or Yelp, or speed test apps, or games, again, yeah. No need for games updating in the background. I don't suggest shutting this down completely as there are needs for apps like MapQuest or other navigation apps to keep updating with your location info. But the more you turn off, the better it is for your battery life. Sixth, turn off auto app updates. Now this is not the same as background app refresh. So these are two different things. So this is auto app updates. This is the downloading of new apps in the background. The other one is about information for apps. Go to settings, then iTunes and App Store. Then under automatic downloads, turn them all off. Do you really need to have an update to an iBook happen automatically? I mean, so all the different items they have there, just turn them all off. Please note, these choices are meant for those that want to improve battery life. There will be a trade-off with your experiences, you know, your UI and the convenience. If apps updates are not downloading or apps are not getting the most recent info in the background, that means you will need to manually get that info slash updates done. So there's a little bit of manual work you're gonna have to do in the future whenever you want any of those items to happen. But this is a trade-off between better battery life or more convenience where you don't have to do things. Of course, it's hard to do anything on your iOS device if the battery's dead. But if you do want to get the best of both worlds, then you need to go get a Mophie juice pack or something like that, which then means you've given up on the weight convenience. So now you've added bulk and weight. Life is full of compromises. Seventh, do not use dynamic wallpaper. Really? Why would you do that? Go to settings, then wallpaper and brightness, and make sure you select a static wallpaper, not one of the dynamic wallpapers. Oh, and definitely not a panoramic wallpaper either. 
I mean, really, do you have that much battery life that you can just piss it away by putting up a panoramic view of your kid on the soccer pitch as your wallpaper? Samsung's not the only one that puts out gimmicky features. Eighth, turn off push mail and auto fetching of mail. Go to settings, then mail contacts calendars, and go to fetch new data, then turn off push, and set iCloud and your mail accounts to fetch, and finally set fetch to manually. This just means the next time you check your mail, you need to pull down to refresh, i.e. fetch new mail. You could also set that to hourly, but still, if the purpose is to save battery life, just set it to manually. Ninth, turn off notifications for those items you don't need. No need to have mail and notifications after making it manual in the last step, plus no need for photos or game center. Go through your list of apps and only select the ones you want to see updated info from the lock screen and deselect the ones you don't need, like any game apps. Tenth, change auto lock to five minutes or less. For iPads, this one can be a pain as if you are reading, it can lock you out too quickly, so don't set it for one minute on the iPad. But one minute may be fine for an iPhone. To make changes on this one, go to settings, then general, then auto lock, and select five minutes or one minute or something in between. This one might be a pain for anyone that doesn't have the new iPhone 5S and Touch ID, but if you have iPhone 5S and Touch ID, getting back in after it auto-locks is so easy now. 11. Quit open apps in the background on a regular basis. If you have 183 apps on your iOS device, there is no reason to have 182 of those apps open in the background. Per the last episode, to force quit an app, double tap on the home button, then swipe up on the preview of the app to close it. 12th. Don't set alarms or reminders based on location. If you set up a reminder to remind you when you get home and it's 8.30 a.m., that will mean it is constantly checking your location throughout the day. Well, right up until your battery dies, that is. Thirteenth, location services. The ultimate battery killer. Only allow it for those apps you absolutely need it for. Games, no. Maps, yes. And keep an eye out in the upper right for a purple triangle. That means location services are on and active. You cannot turn it off completely, though. Well, I'm okay. You guess you can. But you should not. Because if you did, kind of, sort of, definitely kills Find My iPhone. So you need to have location services on. But you want to limit it to the apps that benefit you. Go to the settings, then privacy, then location services, and look at what apps have locations toggled on. You might be surprised, like TuneIn Radio, or Shazam, or Stitcher, or a bunch of games. Yeah, turn it off for them. I know there are other tips about turning off LTE out there, and even disabling keyboard clicks, but come on, what's the point of having LTE iPhone if you can't use LTE? So I don't recommend turning off LTE, and I don't recommend turning off keyboard clicks. And I will say this, if you do all the things I mentioned above and your battery life sucks, you may have a corrupted app somewhere or a backup that you set up from, maybe something's honky with that, or you may have a defective battery. What you need to do in this case to find out if it's software or hardware issue is to go to the settings app, then iCloud, then find my iPhone and disable find my iPhone. Next connect your iOS device to your computer and back it up. Then select restore iPhone. This will delete out everything. 
and you should set it up as a brand new iPhone, not from a backup. Note, this does suck to do, as it means that you're going to have to reset up email and pretty much everything else correctly. But you made a backup, so you can restore from it later on. Just do this and then see after a few hours if your battery life is better than it was or if it's the same. If it is the same, take said device to your local Apple store and see about getting a new device. If it is better, then you have to decide if you want to restore from the last backup or just stay as you are and start the whole manual process of setting up that device again. There is no reason not to see as good of or better battery life from iOS 7 than you did with iOS 6. On my iPhone 4, after over a week in standby mode, the battery was well over 50%, and I had used it on and off during the week. Usually just as a calculator to check something in the settings app, but point is, I am seeing really good battery life with iOS 7, and I would say even better for my iPhone 4 than I saw with iOS 6.1.3. So if you are not seeing better battery life with iOS 7, you need to check out why that is. And again, those last 13 tips I gave you, do those and you should, again, see much better battery life. Okay, so now that you have your iOS device and it's running all day plus, you can actually use it. And here are some of the new features in iOS 7 that you might be interested in. Hello, Rob, it's Tim from Chicago. Just wanted to call in and mention that one of the new updates that I really enjoy with iOS 7 is when I compose a text message, I type in the letter S, for instance, instead of alphabetically listing the different uh, contacts, it automatically lists the most common person that I text to at the top of the list. This is a huge improvement and one that I really enjoy. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Talk to you soon. Speaking of text, blocking calls and texts from someone this is one we have had parents of teens ask about for their kids, not blocking their kids, but having their kids being able to block other kids. And those slightly too clingy of an ex-significant other also ask about. And well, now it is possible and easy with iOS 7. Note the person you want to block needs to be in your contacts. So if they are not in there, go to their recent call or text and add them to contacts. Once said stalker or telemarketer is in your contacts, go to the iPhone app, not the contacts app, but to the phone app, then select contacts, and then find the person you want to block, select them, and scroll to the bottom and select, you guessed it, block the caller. You will get a confirmation pop-up that says you will not receive phone calls, messages, or FaceTime from the people on your block list. Confirm that they are dead to you, or at least to your iOS device, and you're done. Into the email bag. Hi Rob, I thought I'd let you know about a feature of iOS 7 that I haven't heard or seen people talking about so much. If you open the Compass app and then calibrate the Compass, you can then swipe from the right to the left, and you will see a new level app. You can use it for surfaces like a bullseye level, and it will automatically change when you use it on the edge of your phone to check if see if something's level or plumb. You can also tap to set your own custom level to go by and tap again to reset. The app works and looks great and is about as non-skeuomorphic as you can get. However, I question the decision to hide it in the Compass app where many users may never find it. Best regards, Eddie P. Sweden. 
Thanks, Eddie, for the heads up on the Hidden Compass app. Yeah, not sure why that one is so hidden. And I wish you could get to it without having to calibrate your iPhone first. That can take up to 10 seconds to get it calibrated. And if you need a level, it's just a pain to get to. Hopefully Apple updates that so you can bypass the calibrate step and get right to the level part of the app or break it out as his own app. Overall, nice feature add, questionable feature placement. Another new feature I am using more and more is Siri and opening apps. You say, Rob, why do I need Siri to open an app? Well, let's say you, oh, I don't know, have 564 apps on your iPhone 5S. And those apps are spread out over 14 home screens, which have over 40 different folders with obscure titles distributed in some non-logical fashion on said 14 home screens. And those folders have multiple pages. Yeah, finding that one app you know the name of can be an issue if you're not sure where it's at. Now it's Siri in iOS 7, just say open TII. And Siri will launch the TI app or open tag which is nice for scanning a QR code quickly. So yes, this is a very nice new feature of Siri, especially for those fellow app orders like me. Back to the email bag. Hi Rob, one new feature that has not been widely talked about is the new keyboard for us voiceover users. One of the reasons I never set up a passcode lock is that unless I was wearing a wired or wireless headset, everyone in the area could hear me enter it. Not much security there. Now with iOS 7, I am able to enter text and numbers by drawing them on the screen. It's fracking awesome. Regards, Keith W. Thanks, Keith, for the heads up on that new feature. Hi, Rob. This is Aaron from Tampa. I downloaded iOS 7. Uh, I was able to get it done in about 30 minutes, 35 minutes from downloading to actually setting up my settings. I've played with it for about 15, 20 minutes now. I would say one of my favorite new additions to it is in the mail. I am now able to file some of my emails to certain files I have set up on my Yahoo or Gmail, depending on what email service they came through in, without having to go to that particular email file and file it. I can just do it from all emails now. Thanks, Rob. Enjoy your show. Have a good day. Hi, Rob. It appears when you listen to music such as Spotify, Pandora, etc., the lock screen controls to pause, skip, to next, etc. do not work. They don't work in Control Center either. Any info or thoughts about this? Steve from Arizona. Hi, Steve. That is an issue with the apps and not with iOS 7. Well, actually, it is because of iOS 7 and changes that those apps need to be updated to work correctly. Right now, the version of the TI app, as in the one that was available on September 29th, those are listening on the latest version as of last week, uh, well you would also see that issue. However, the next version, I am beta testing right now, has that issue fixed. So expect your favorite apps to be updated shortly to fix that issue slash interaction with iOS 7. But again, not really a bug in iOS 7 as much as just something that needs to be updated in the apps to work with changes introduced in iOS 7. Morning, Rob. This is Glenn from Alabama. Just calling in with a quick review of iOS 7. I installed it yesterday for the first time. I'm not a developer, but I got my hands on an early release, and I just wanted to say that I love it a lot. It's fast, it's clean, it's smooth, and uh, really innovative. Call later with some more insight from my point of view. Thank you again for a great show. Bye. I want to thank today's sponsor, which is Audible. 
please go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash TII. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash TII to sign up to get your free audiobook download. Longtime listeners of this show know that Audible has been sponsoring us going all the way back to April of 2007 on and off. We thank them for sponsoring us again. Audible is the Internet's leading provider of audio entertainment. If you have any type of interest in audiobooks, listening to audio, if you like listening to this podcast, you do like listening to audio. Audible is going to have a genre that you love. Stephen King is another great author out there, and he has over 147 books right now up on Audible. And some of these he actually reads himself, although you might want to go with some of the ones that are more professional audiobook readers, uh, like the ones uh, that do It, which is was one of the first books of Stephen King's that I went to buy at a bookstore. I remember waiting for it to come out. So it is a great story. Uh, again, great one. Uh, Under the Dome, much better as an audiobook than a television series. And uh, by the way, speaking of narrators, uh, I mentioned Kenobi, uh, Star Wars, on a recent episode here promoting Audible. If you go and listen to Rebel Force Radio, Last episode came out on the 27th of September. They have an interview with Jonathan Davis, who has done a couple hundred um, audio, audible books. And he is the narrator of Kenobi. And they have a great interview in that episode. So that's Rebel Force Radio, if you want to check that out. I know a lot of people get into the audible, really start getting favorite narrators. And Jonathan Davis is one of those people that people will have a fan base on him. So anyway, if you have a genre... And you have a subject that you like. Audible is going to have a book for you, 150,000 plus titles to choose from. Go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash TII. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash TII to get your free audiobook download. Again, Kenobi Star Wars is a great one. Any Stephen King book, go look it up. I kind of stay away from the ones that Stephen King narrates himself, but the other ones are really good. Once again, Audible, thanks for sponsoring our show. Thanks to Chris in London for this next heads up on something new in iOS 7, and that is Multipath TCP. In a nutshell, it allows you to send multiple data packets across different network interfaces at the same time. Or think of it this way. You have a drink, and you have three straws. A thick one, a mid-sized one, and a thin one. You could suck on just one straw, and depending on the size, you'll get a certain amount at one time. Or you could use all three at the same time and get a whole bunch of a drink at once. And if it's a slurpee, probably a major case of brain freeze. But with multi-path TCP, your iOS device can send and receive data over Ethernet, Wi-Fi, and 3G at the same time. Okay, in our analogy, I guess the send part would kind of be like major backwash, which is kind of plain gross. But nothing gross about multi-path TCP. However, there is a question on when exactly it will be used, because right now, while it is confirmed it is in there, your iOS device is still just using one straw at a time. More I am sure about this one in the future. Thanks, Chris. Hey, Rob. It's Steve Redman in Tucson, Arizona, trying to update my both my iPhone 5 and my Pad up to iOS 7, and it is not working. Uh, both devices did the 750 meg download, but after it goes through the verification process, it stops abruptly saying software update is not available at this time. Try again later. Tried it multiple times on this phone with no success, and now the pad's done the same thing. So, uh-oh, that's it. Talk to you later. Bye. 
For those that did not wait and updated on the 18th and had no issues, congrats. And to those that did update on the 18th, the day iOS 7 was released and did have issues, well, um, I told you so. And I don't mean that in uh, I told you so tone, but I told you so because updating the first day of an update is a crapshoot any year, and even more so this year. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I should have waited to update. I heard your warning, but ignored it. A friend had successfully updated, so I thought, why not? No harm trying. The update seemed to download fine, but then would not install. I tried a bunch of times, then got smart and backed up my phone. I know. Should have done that first. Quit all my apps and tried again, and then my iPhone went black. Woe is me. I spent the rest of the day without my phone. When I finally got home and got it connected to a computer, I found out it was in recovery mode and I had to restore it. Then to add insult to injury, it would not restore from the backup I'd done right before I started. I finally got it to restore from a backup done the night before. Anyway, not sure what I did wrong, but I found out that I really should have waited and backed it up to my computer as an extra failsafe before I started. Regards, Jesse. Hi, Rob. This is Carl from Maple Glen, Pennsylvania. It is now 6 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time on September 18th, and I've been trying since 1.30 to download and install iOS 7. I have tried uh, wirelessly. I have tried uh, via iTunes with the phone plugged in. I mean, it has just been absolutely ridiculous. I can't tell you how many times it looks like it has installed and then it hasn't. Uh, really, really frustrating. Uh, I know there's uh, millions of users trying to install the new OS, but Apple needs to uh, understand that uh, there are going to be so many users, and they need to make sure that all of their server farms around the country uh, are ready for this nonsense. Anyway, I love your show. been listening from the beginning, and uh, one of my favorite things to do when my wife is snoring and waking me up in the middle of the night is put in some headphones and listen to the podcast to drown her out. Thanks for everything, Rob. To Carl and others that had issues, I don't know if it is possible for Apple to have gotten their servers ready for the onslaught they had for iOS 7 updates. We'll talk about the numbers shortly, but safe to say I way underestimated the percentage of iOS users that would be updating, and I am sure Apple did too, just because it was much, much higher than in the past from a percentage perspective, and even more so from a raw numbers perspective. In fairness to Apple, there probably has never been a crush on servers like that before, and that so many were able to update with no issues is actually a big deal. So one thing you can do if you are someone that is still having issues doing the update, and there are a few of you out there that still are reporting issues, don't do the over-the-air update. That seems to be a common thread I hear from those still having issues. Download the update on iTunes and update via the computer. Of course, first make sure you update iTunes to version 11.1 and make sure you close out all open apps and go to settings and general, then reset, then reset network settings. That really does seem to help. And those that have listened for a long time know I don't ever recommend you update to the latest version of iOS as soon as it comes out. Wait a few days, wait to the next episode I release, but give it some time before you do that initial upload. Don't be the first group. The first group are the ones that always have the problems. 
Now, I'm not saying that everyone that updates early has a problem, but everyone that has a problem seems to be the ones that updated early. Hi, Rob. This is Charles from Michigan City, Indiana. I'm calling in regards to the iOS 7 iTunes radio disappearing from your phone. I had it when I first downloaded iOS 7, and now it's gone. A couple of friends have told me to try resetting, which I've done by holding the home button button and the um, power button, and I've also done a reset through settings, and still no um, iTunes radio. Just wondering if anyone else has had a similar issue, and if so, um, they found uh, an answer. Love the show. Thanks. Bye. Charles, when I have seen some other issues, a force quit of the app and a relaunch did seem to help. I can't say I have seen an issue with iTunes radio, but definitely try to force quitting and relaunching iTunes just because you reset the phone does not mean it reset the app. You do need to force quit it to reboot and to do the reboot of the app. Um, If you did force quit and it is still not working for you, then maybe you need to do a restore from backup. Uh, If anyone else has an issue with iTunes radio not working and you were able to fix it, please let us know. Give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or by sending an email to todayinios at gmail.com. And I am going to assume that you did tap on the more button when you opened up the music app and that you hadn't accidentally moved iTunes out of the bottom into the more section. So please check that first, I guess. Go to the music app and hit more in the bottom right and then see if iTunes got moved out of the bottom tabs. Maybe that's that might be the simplest solution if that's the case. But if that's not the case, then do the other things I just mentioned. Hey, if you are interested in seeing some of the things in iOS 7 that will be fixed in future releases, go to the Tumblr called Sloppy UI. Link in the show notes. And it goes over a lot of the places in iOS 7 where, well, Apple has been a little sloppy. Be it in the mismatched fonts on a page or text on the top of text or where the status bar becomes unreadable due to the choice of background image and or color of the font or inconsistent placement of options like cancel or, well, you get the picture. There are many little items that need to be cleaned up in future versions of iOS 7, and hopefully someone at Apple has bookmarked that account and is taking notes. Hey Rob, this is Scott in Milwaukee calling you. I just found uh, a downside to the iOS 7, and that's when I'm in audiobooks, you no longer can access the chapters. At first, I thought it was a problem with uh, my particular phone, but I just got off the phone with Apple, and they said that was a change that they made, which for those of us that listen to audiobooks, it's kind of an inconvenience. I thought I'd pass that on. Thanks. Bye. Well, shortly after iOS 7 was released, a person by the name of Jose Rodriguez, living in Spain's Canary Islands, whom by his own admission has too much spare time, was able to figure out a bypass of the lock screen in iOS 7 and get access of photos, email, and Twitter, all without needing to know the passcode. I will not go through the steps required, and there are many, but I will say a week after reported, Apple released iOS 7.0.2, so if you have not updated to iOS 7.0.2, you should do so now. This closes down Jose's bypass and another bypass that lets anyone make calls from the locked iPhones to any number. So the two major bugs with iOS 7 as far as getting around the lock screen that were reported ahead of time or reported since it's released were both patched within a week. 
and released to the masses. Kudos, Apple, for the quick updates. That is a major advantage of the iOS ecosystem. When bugs and security gaps are found, Apple can quickly get a patch update out to the masses, where on an Android platform, it would be months, if not longer, for a new patch to get out to the masses, and depending on how big an issue it is, some carriers or handset manufacturers may never push that patch forward. So again, if you have not updated to iOS 7.0.2, do so, especially if you were using a beta of iOS 7 Goldmaster. This gets you back out of the beta and onto the regular public release, which means no expiration date. Hello, Rob. My name is Ben from Montreal, Canada. Rob, I downloaded iOS 7 and I like it so far, but there is an issue with the voice memo application. The voice memo is not stable. It crashes very often and I do have to redo another recording again. So I don't know if it's only me or if it's general, but let me know uh, what you think about this. Also, the second thing I have to ask you is about the application music. If you tap on the music application, uh, you've got the bottom, you have uh, artists, uh, songs, and then you select more. You go then on genre and you select one of those genre, like, I don't know, alternative, for instance. You will see all the artists that you want, you would like to play, but there's no option anymore, like the shuffle option, which I used to see on the top. I used to play my music by genre, like I would select a specific genre and then from the top, uh, shuffle music. It's no longer there. Is there anything that's missing? Like, is it me or is it something I should see? Please let me know if anyone else has another problem with this. But so far, I missed that option very, very deeply. All right. Thank you very much, Rob, for your show. And I uh, would like to say hello again from Montreal, Canada. Bye. Hi, Ben. Per the genre category, there is still shuffle there. What you have to do is you hit genre and then you'll see a list of some of the artists that are in there. And then you have to pick one of the artists. Once you pick one of the artists, um, then you can go ahead and hit the shuffle symbol. So you'll still see it there, but you have to get into an individual artist. So it doesn't look like it allows you to do a shuffle for all the artists, but it does allow you to do a shuffle on a particular artist for their music. By the way, you can change which tabs are at the bottom. Tap on more and then tap on edit and that'll allow you to move any of the icons down to the bottom tab and rearrange which tabs are what. So again, if you do want to get genre as one of your main ones, if that's where you normally go to look for your music, tap more, then tap edit, and then bring it down and replace one of the tabs. And again, that may be what happened to the caller earlier who lost iTunes radio. It may have moved up under more. Or the voice memo app. I have to admit, I have not used it much yet. So I have not had it crash. But if anyone else is having an issue with the voice memo app, please let me know. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Right now, I almost always use the Boss Jack app for all my audio recording needs because it is so easy to get my recordings to my computer via Wi-Fi from the app or uploaded to Libsyn via FTP. Plus, in the app, you can, under settings, uh, go there and then set it up to turn off AGC, automatic gain control. So again, you can turn off AGC and that greatly improves the sound quality of recordings on the iPhone. So check out that app, Boss Jock, $9.99 in the iTunes App Store. If you're looking for the best audio recording app for iOS devices, especially if you're a podcaster, 
and they just submitted to iTunes a new version that is more iOS 7 compatible, which I've been beta testing for them, or at least I think they've submitted it. I think they said they were going to submit it the other day, so it should be an update in iTunes any day now. Here's a bug found by one of our listeners. He writes, Hi Rob, I like to force kill all my apps and hard restart every once in a while and start fresh. In iOS 7, I will force kill all my apps immediately and do a hard reset start by pressing the home and power button at the same time. But when my phone starts up, all the apps are there that I thought I closed out. Is this just me? Is this a bug? Regards, Ryan F. Yes, yes it is a bug. I put up a video on the TIA website showing this bug. Now, this does not happen all the time, or even half of the time, but it did happen about once every three or four times I tried. Granted, when shutting down your iOS device, it is best to just push the power button and then do the red slider, and not both the power and home button together. When you do it that way, this issue does not happen, where you slide the red slider. But here is the issue I see in the bug. If you don't have your iOS device locked, Someone could, in theory, do this procedure and then see every app you were working in and what you were doing last in each of those apps. It is not a major bug, but it is a bug, as I can't imagine it is meant to be bring dead apps sessions back to life. Thanks, Ryan, for pointing it out. I did have another listener say they saw something like this in iOS 6.x, but I could not get my jailbroken iPhone 4S to duplicate that at all. And if you just want to... And if you want to see the video to that, go to todayinios.com and look for the post right before episode 284. And before, of course, I mean chronologically before, but on the page after, as it'll be further down the page. Okay, I really did not want to mention this one, but I figure I better just in case. There was a fake Apple ad for iOS 7 that was claiming a new feature in iOS 7 was making it waterproof. Yeah, sounds really unbelievable. Because, well, it is fake. 100% bogus. Sadly, however, some that saw this bogus ad, which looks like it is an Apple ad, actually believed it. In the ad, it states, in iOS 7, your iPhone is able to internally detect water and shut off the electronics in the phone. Again, total BS. An iPhone running iOS 7 is not, repeat, not waterproof. Thankfully, no one in the audience emailed in asking if the ad was real. Just a bunch of emailing in about the articles talking about others that believed it. Hi, Rob. This is Stephen from Houston. Yes, I'm aware that in iOS 7, the that iOS puts a blue dot on the home screen next to an icon name when an app has been updated. Well, that's really handy for people that use auto-update. So, but me... I don't use auto update. I have that turned off. So I really do not want auto up the blue dots to appear because the OCD in me must be to go find all those apps and launch them to get rid of the blue dots. Uh, do you know of any way to get rid of the uh, blue dots when you have the auto update turned off? And I'm so looking forward to uh, jailbreak iOS 7 to, to get rid of that feature. Okay, talk to you later. And have a great day. Enjoy your show. Bye. Steven, I hate to say it, but I think you're going to have to wait until there is a jailbreak. As it seems hard-coded in to put in the blue dot after an app is newly downloaded for the first time or updated. Which then goes away, of course, after you launch the app the first time. Personally, 
I like this much more than the banner that went over the icon as sometimes, depending on the artwork, it was tough to see the banner. I guess for now, all I can say is happy app opening and sorry. On the last episode, I said the following with regards to how quickly I thought iOS 7 would be adopted. Quote, 48 hours from when this episode goes up, there will be well over 22% and probably well over 33% penetration of iOS 7. And in five weeks, that number will be pushing north of 66%, unquote. So how well did I do? Well, 48 hours later, the adoption rate, according to Mixpanel, was an amazing 45 plus percent, which is well over 33%. But to be fair, I think I was thinking 35%, maybe upper 30s, but not over 45%. And by Wednesday, the 25th, it was already over 60%. So one week to get to 60%, eight days to get to 61.5%, and the 66 number I mentioned for five weeks looks like we will be at that level of adoption in about two weeks. This is all much faster than last year with iOS 6. Hi, Rob. This is Justin from Pennsylvania. I want to give you my quick impression and experience with switching to iOS 7. I did it day one, um, against your word, but um, you knew we would anyway. And I'm going to say I really like it. Everything went very smoothly. I only had to take about an hour to download. Uh, I was in pretty early. It went great. I really like it. I mean, there's some minor things here and there. Nothing, nothing too big. I'm going to say my favorite thing is Command Center. It was probably the only reason why I jailbroke in the past was for SB settings, and Command Center was just better than that was. Other than you can't add your own stuff to it, I would I liked that feature with SB settings. But Command Center, I love it. And the lock rotation when you're laying on the couch, I highly anyone didn't think you'd need it on your phone. When you're laying on your couch and, you know, the, the web browser just switches on you and all of a sudden you're flipping back and forth, lock rotation, easy access all the time is great on your phone. I'm just, I didn't know I wanted it, but man, does that work. Uh, man, do I like that. And um, other than that, I love the design. I love the fresh coat of paint apps that get updated to it. I like my only major gripe is sometimes it's confusing to see where the back buttons used to be. Now it's just words. And sometimes it's not always obvious what you're supposed to click with these new apps. I think everything's getting worked out, but all in all, and also a huge improvement, Safari way better. I hated using Safari in the past on the phone. Now I like it. Unified unified search bar, so much better. I love the Rolodex tabs. You can open up as many as you want. It's just so much better, and that's something I use all the time, and they just really improved it and made it so like I actually like using it again. I guess that's my first impression. I'm excited to hear what you guys all think of it, and um, I really appreciate the show, and have a good one. Thank you. Bye. Yes, Rob, I just want to inform you, I downloaded the new operating system. It was working fine until I backed up to iCloud. Now I no longer can get into the iTunes store. If I click on iTunes store, it comes up blank and just shuts down. I can get into the app store, but not the iTunes part. Thank you. Justin, thanks for your feedback. And per the second caller, if anyone else has had this issue, because I have not, and I've not heard about it from anyone else, but if anyone else has had this issue where after backing up to iCloud, they can no longer get into the iTunes App Store, uh, please give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send the email to todayinios at gmail.com, especially if you had the issue and found a fix to said issue. 
I want to do a quick shout out to our second sponsor today, and that is Candy Crush. You mentioned them earlier. If you go to todayinios.com forward slash candy, that's todayinios.com forward slash candy on your iPhone. Do it from your iPhone. And go and then download the Candy Crush app if you haven't played it. Uh, would appreciate it. It helps show them that you heard about it on the show. And for those that are not familiar with Candy Crush, it is a very addictive game, to say the least. I'm on a hunt level 140. So uh, let me know where you guys are, but I'm 140 on Candy Crush. I've been playing it for, I don't know, since around 4th of July uh, when I went back home and visited family. My sister-in-law was playing it and got me addicted to it. So, uh, yeah, 140. Can you guys beat that? Let me know. And again, if you haven't downloaded Candy Crush, simple way to explain it, it's one of those connect three type or four or five. Um, better if you connect five in a row uh, in it because then you get the little cake pop. But it's a very well done game. There are a lot of different levels. It's very challenging. And it's just a good way to pass some extra time. Uh, it's the game that I like right now. It's my time waster app. And go to todayinios.com forward slash candy on your iPhone and go and download Candy Crush. It's a free app, by the way. So uh, just appreciate it if you use that link. Shows them that you heard about it here. And again, let me know what level you're at after you start playing and, and what you think of it. And I do want to warn you, it is a very addictive game. And thanks to the folks from Candy Crush for sponsoring the show. Hey, Rob, this is Jeff from Orange, Connecticut uh, at the AT&T store. Um, first one in line, it is uh, 3.30 a.m. and just got your message uh, saying limited stock and I'm here and no one's in line. This t same time uh, in the morning for the iPhone 4, which was my last wait in line, I was about 20th in line. So we have limited stock and no one's in line. So I'm a happy camper. Again, enjoy the show and uh, looking forward to the 5S. Thanks, Rob. Take care. Hey, Rob. It's Missy from Bellbrook. I know you'd like to know the, um, how the happenings are going on the release day, so I just want to let you know I was driving by the Centerville um, Verizon and AT&T stores, and there was no line at the Verizon store that I could see, and the AT&T store had about 10 people or so waiting outside. It's about 11 o'clock on the 20th. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Rob. It's Jeff again from Connecticut. Called in earlier this morning. Uh, got the iPhone 5. Uh, when AT&T finally opened at 8 a.m., she came out and said, only space gray is available. Everybody was quite disappointed. Special order on silver, special order on gold. Don't know if that was truthful, but that's what they told us. So space gray it is, 32 gig. Uh, very happy with it. Been using it at work. Thanks again, Rob. Take care. Yeah, hi, Rob. This is Mike calling in from Phoenix, Arizona. was waiting in line uh, at my local T-Mobile store for a good couple hours. Got there about 4 o'clock. They opened up at 8. I was the only one there until about 6.30. Also, uh, I thought it was kind of strange, but my local T-Mobile store only had space gray. They had no other colors, but already went through the line, got out of there, and already got home. So just wanted to give you a call and give you the heads up. Uh, enjoy the show. Up to good work. Thanks. Hey Rob, this is Rick from El Paso, Texas. Uh, got to the only Apple store we have in this city at 6 a.m. and there were 76 people in line already. Apparently the first person uh, in line uh, began at 5 p.m. yesterday, uh, Thursday evening. So uh, really surprised because there wasn't this many people in line for the five. Um, so I guess the, the, the lack of uh, pre-order had something to do with it. Um, uh, an hour 
and a half later, there's roughly 175 people in line, and we've got 30 minutes to go. Take care. Jonathan, formfilmcast.com, reporting on the Apple Store line, the Americana, Glendale, California. Glendale, California is the site of the original Apple Store, the first. That one's located at the Glendale Galleria. This one is the adjacent mall called the Americana. At about 7.15 a.m., I took a look out my balcony. The line wasn't very long, maybe 30 people I didn't count. At about 8.10 a.m., the line is much longer. It extends about eight stores worth, then loops back uh, with an extra one or two stores of looping. I'll send you a pic. Enjoy. Thanks to all that sent in feedback, and I got a wide array of reports on lines. However, most were the lines were longer than last year, and the stock was very limited when it came to colors and who some of the carriers were. I wanted gold for my first choice, silver for my second choice, and I was 25th in line, and I only had the choice of space gray, which was very, very commonly reported for the launch day. I think we can now say the S in the 5S is not sensor or speed, but rather shortages or stock out, or at least for most people reporting, the S in 5S stood for space gray. I did feel how things were handled at the Apple Store in Leewood, Kansas was not quite right and was repeated to me by other people at other Apple stores which was just not the Apple Store in Leewood, Kansas. Here is the email I sent to Tim Cook because, you know, I like to do those type of things. Hello, Tim. Thanks for your time reading this. I wanted to share my experience and observations from waiting online for the iPhone 5S and a possible solution for this issue. After all, stating problem without a solution is just complaining, and that's not what this is. The store I waited at was the Apple Store in Leewood, Kansas, which is exactly 1.1 miles from Sprint's world headquarters. So at 7.30 a.m. when the Apple Store employees announced they had zero Sprint phones, it was at the least very surprising. Now, I do realize that logistic issues with a global launch will mean certain locations would be without certain phones. But where I think the real issue happened was what people that had been waiting in line for hours, some over 12 hours, that were just sent on their way empty-handed with nothing to show for their time in line. What I feel Apple should have done at that point was to get the names of anyone waiting in line that wanted a Sprint iPhone and be put on a waiting list where they would be contacted once a Sprint phone matching their request came into the Apple Store. Again, I do realize issues will come up and how Apple handled this issue this time I felt was not appropriate. Luckily for me, I was on AT&T and they had 64 gig iPhone 5S's. Sadly, they did not have any of the gold first choice or silver second choice I wanted, but they did have space gray. So I took that and I'm very happy with it. Again, however, here for others, they were not happy. And once again, when Apple store employees went down the line handing out the cards for phones, when they asked what you wanted, if they did not have it, those waiting in line should have been given a choice to get on a preferred waiting list or to take what was available. I would have still taken the space gray, but there were other people waiting in line that wanted a specific color. They just walked away. These are or were Apple acolytes. These are people that spent all year long singing the praises of Apple iOS and the iOS ecosystem. I saw way too many of these people walk away with nothing after spending many, many hours in line. 
I think something as simple as a pad of paper where the Apple employee writes down the person's name, Apple ID, and a preferred phone configuration would have gone a long way to keep those Apple acolytes happy with their choice to evangelize Apple. From my background, I've been waiting online for Apple products and store openings since before the original iPhone. I think it is safe to say this launch was the worst experience for those waiting online versus any previous Apple launch. And I just hope for the next Apple product launch, you'll consider modifying your policy on what happens when someone waits in line only to find out the items they waited for or wanted was not available at the store. I'm not saying this should be a policy all the time, just on launch day and just for those in line before the launch. Hope you consider this very simple solution for the next product launch. Best regards, Rob Walsh, host of Today in iOS. And to that sent email, I got crickets chirping. Not that I really expected a response, but I hope whomever reviews the emails or those at Apple listening now do take into consideration that many that walked away from the lines empty-handed, those people are not likely to wait in line again, and their attitude towards Apple in many cases has changed a little bit, if not a lot. However, not all issues this year waiting online had to do with stock outages. In LA, there was a bit of a kerfuffle, actually a couple of kerfuffles, when two people waiting in line got into a fight and got themselves arrested prior to the launch. And then later on, another fight broke out when a person who had hired some homeless men to wait in line for him felt they did not get adequately compensated for their time waiting in line for said man, and they started negotiating with their fists. This is Mike W. from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, Rob, I wanted to call in and let you know that, uh, that uh, on Friday, off at a whim, I went to the AT&T store about noon. It took about 15 minutes to be waited on. Uh, they had 64 slate grays in stock. 45 minutes later, I walked out, no line, no nothing. Really, it was great. The best part was we got rid of my wife's Android. She now has my iPhone 5, and I have the S, and they're all working great. Keep up the good work, Rob. Thanks. Bye. Hello, Rob. This is Mike from San Antonio again. I want to update my previous call. Uh, we, uh, we're doing an upgrade with my wife's original Galaxy two that could no longer uh, stay with the program because uh, the apps quit working. AT&T said, oh, you're going to need to buy a new phone. So uh, after our experience on a Triumph out in the Gulf and my iPhone worked and hers wouldn't to make phone calls, she said, I want what you have. Yay, no more Android. At any rate, uh, we were due the upgrade. So five, around 12 o'clock on Friday, I went in to the AT&T store walked out with a slate about 45 to 60 minutes later with her having my iPhone 5 and me having the S. It was a really great experience. It went well. We like the phone. She loves having the iPhone 5 and the S seems to be working wonderfully. We are having no battery issues uh, at all and no glitches. So everything is going well so far. And uh, I expect it to remain that way. Thanks for the show, Rob, and, and uh, keep up the good work. Mike, thanks for the feedback. Another incident in Houston happened at an AT&T store where two men brazenly approached those waiting in line, pulled knives, and demanded everything you've got from a few of those waiting in line. I say brazenly as there were 10 people in line at the time. The crooks made off with several iPhones and an iPad, at least one wallet. Luckily, no one was hurt. And to AT&T's credit... 
when they heard of the issue, because this was at the AT&T store, they offered store credit for the value of their stolen iPhones. So kudos to AT&T for that. Rob, this is Janet in Spokane. I downloaded the iOS 7 as you instructed, but I disobeyed your instructions to wait a week. But that's okay, because it went fine. I like it except for the font, which is very difficult for 69-year-old eyes to see, especially if there's a photo in the background. Yes, there are some of us uh, senior Apple fangirls out here. Also, I was in line at 4 a.m. for a 5S and about 35th in line, but I couldn't get a gold or silver, and I didn't want to settle for the black one. And, And that was at our local Apple store. I have listened to your show for years and really enjoy it. I listen every week. Thanks a lot. Bye. Shockingly. Apple was beat up by Wall Street when after the initial pre-order period for the iPhone 5C, Apple did not report pre-order numbers. So Wall Street took that to mean the sky is falling. Or it could be the pre-orders were for essentially a year-old phone wrapped in plastic with a slightly bigger battery. Of course Apple did not report the numbers, because Wall Street does not understand about comparing apples to oranges. Now at Apple stores where analysts do measure the length of lines, There are reports that this year, the lines were the longest they've ever been. Now, some of that has to do with the past couple of years have been a lot of pre-orders, and this year was not so for the 5S, at least, and that really, that's the new device that people were waiting for. No one was waiting online for the 5C at the Apple Store in Leawood, Kansas, out of the over 200 people that were there at 8 a.m. Zero, zilch, nada. Not one was there for the 5C. So again, no reason for Apple to report their pre-orders for the 5C. Hey, Rob, this is Chris. I haven't ever called in your show, but uh, I want to thank you so much for all the information you give us about uh, uh, about iOS and uh, the iPhone in general. Um, I'm in I'm from Colorado, and I I went to get the uh, iPhone 5S. Went in at 4:30, got done about 11 o'clock. And, of course, there were no gold iPhones or silver iPhones uh, at the start of the launch, and everything was severely constrained. But I got the slate or uh, space gray iPhone, and it is great. It is a uh, positive experience with, uh, with the new iPhone. It's fast. It's, it's very effective and uh, seems to work very great. Um, I thought I was going to end up trying to trade it in because I do have that 30-day return policy, but I'm, uh, I think I'm going to keep it. It's a very nice uh, device. About the people who are saying that Apple doesn't innovate, I mean, honestly, it all comes down to the look for them. If it doesn't look different, it doesn't have a giant screen, it doesn't have a camera protruding from the back, you're not going to change their idea of what innovation is. You can't change people. All you can do is either accept what you have or move on. And most of those people don't care about the ecosystem. All they care about is the phone. So you really can't change them. I want to thank you again for your show and everything that you provide. It's been very interesting in all the time that I've listened to it, and I will continue to listen to it. You have a good day. Thanks, Chris, for the feedback and the kind words. So based on reports of stockouts and shortages and no Sprint phones here or no T-Mobile phones there, what did analysts peg for sales of iPhones over the opening weekend? Well, Uncle Gene put the number between 5 and 6 million iPhone 5Ss and 5Cs combined. 
saying there would be 2.5 million 5Ss sold and 3 million 5Cs sold opening weekend. Remember those numbers for Mr. Monster. And from the didn't-see-that-coming category comes official word from Apple on the numbers of 5Ss and 5Cs sold opening weekend. Some analysts had had it at 5 to 6 million. Others were more optimistic at 6 to 8 million. I saw one really pessimistic estimate at 2 to 3 million. But at the end of the day, or well, weekend in this case, they all were well under the reality, and that was 9 million iPhones sold, which shatters the opening day weekend records of past. And I'm sure it would have been much higher if Apple had more stock of 5Ss, especially gold and silver. Now, what is not known is what part of the 9 million of the 5Ss and what part were 5Cs and what percentage of the 5Cs just went to channel inventory versus customers' hands. Safe to say, since there were lines still on Monday at Apple stores, that almost all 5Ss sold, quote-unquote, were in customers' hands. But to put the 9 million in perspective, the iPhone 3 was the first to do 1 million in sales opening weekend, 3GS also sold 1 million, the 4 sold 1.7 million, the 4S sold 4 million, the iPhone 5 sold 5 million opening weekend, so the 9 million is a big number. But there were differences. Again, there are two phones, and one did not sell out, and one of the countries it was launched in was China, and also you have to add in NTT Docomo in Japan. So big additions in available subscribers this year. Also, it was at T-Mobile in the U.S. when it launched this year. Now, when Apple says sold, here is what they have meant for the past few years. Anything shipped out to a customer, so any online orders that actually shipped, and any devices purchased and picked up at an Apple store, any inventory at an Apple store does not count as sold, any units delivered to Apple carrier partners or channel sales read AT&T, Radio Shack, Best Buy, Walmart, those do count as sold. So any 5Cs sitting on shelves at those stores would have counted towards the 9 million. So clearly 9 million this year is not really 9 million in customers' hands, whereas 5 million last year pretty much all were to customers. So there's some things we're going to have to listen for in the next Apple quarterly call. So let's go back to Uncle Gene Munster's estimate of 5 to 6 million. And how did he spin it after Apple announced 9 million? By saying, you guessed it, that 3.5 million of it was to channel inventory. He then said 2.5 million were the 5Ss and 3 million were the 5Cs, and that the 3.5 million were in channel. So let's get this right. Apple had 6.5 million iPhone 5Cs available on launch day, but only 2.5 million 5Ss? Uh, no way, no how. There is just no chance for that scenario to play out. But rather than Uncle Gene admit he was wrong once again, he just tried to spin the number to match what he told his paying clients. So how do we know Uncle Gene is wrong? Plain and simple, usage reports from the 72 hours since launch. Localytics found usage of the 5S versus 5C at a greater than 3 to 1 ratio globally. Not the 2.5 to 3 ratio that Uncle Gene tried to explain, here is a more likely scenario. 6 million iPhone 5Ss shipped versus 2 million 5Cs, with 1 million 5Cs in channel inventory. And that is how your 9 million breaks down, not per the illogical and fantasy numbers presented by Uncle Gene to try to cover his butt. Just saying. 
will be interesting if come late October at the next quarterly call by Apple, if Apple gives any indication of what part of the 9 million went to channel inventory versus getting into customers' hands. Apple Insider had a scathing post totally ripping apart often wrong Uncle Gene. I love this one part, quote, in August of 2013, just a month before Apple launched its new iPhones, Munzer described the iPhone 5C, which has had already made several appearances in a series of spy photos, as having lower-end internal specs, processor, camera, memory, etc., than the 5S 5 lineup, estimating that the device would be priced at $300 without a contract. He also wrote his client saying, we believe that Apple may exclude some launch feature, software features such as Siri, which we note was not an option on the iPhone 3GS or 4 upon launch. He also expected Apple to discontinue the 4S, leaving it to sell an iPhone 5C, 5, and 5S. This was profoundly wrong in every respect. The only thing Monster got right were already public knowledge, the 5C having a plastic case, and the same 4-inch display. Munster not only got all his predicted details wrong, but also demonstrated that he had no idea of what Apple's overall strategy for the 5C actually was. Unquote. Ouch, ouch, and ouch. The article goes on to point out many other Uncle Gene misquotes and miscues and gaffes. It is amazing he can find people to pay him for his advice. He was way wrong too high of an estimate last year on unit sales, and he was way wrong too low this year on unit sales. Into the email bag. Hi Rob, 9 million in three days equals 34.7 iPhones sold per second for that period. Regards, Ken E. According to 9to5Mac, Apple is now allowing customers to check iPhone availability at their retail stores via the Apple Store app. To check for said availability on the Apple Store app, go to the Buy iPhone page, add your iPhone to the cart, and then choose Check Availability. You will then be shown a list of nearby Apple stores and the status of said iPhone at those stores. It also is being rumored that sometime in the next week or so, in-store pickups for orders online will begin again. So it seems right now you can just check availability, then rush over and try to get said device. Soon you should be able to order that device and casually head over to pick up said device. Right now, analysts are estimating supply of the iPhone 5S will not meet demand until at least December. And if Apple announces a deal with China Mobile before then, expect supply to be constrained until at least mid-Q1 2014. If you want a new iPhone 5S right now, ordering online might be the surest way to get one before Thanksgiving. Or you can take chances and keep checking online and hope to find a local store with exactly the version you are looking for, especially if what you are looking for is a gold iPhone 5S. When we learned that the gold iPhone 5S had already sold out, we were, frankly, surprised. We didn't anticipate that kind of demand for just one color of the phone. And so we've increased production on the gold iPhone, and we should have more available in just a matter of weeks. Weeks? No, 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 man. Rome wasn't built in weeks. It was built right now. You want iPhone gold? I get you iPhone gold. The internal architecture of the silver and gray phones is identical to the gold. It's the same exact phone. No, 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 no. Gold is best. iPhone gold faster, bigger, louder, quieter, smaller, sexier, wetter, taller. More business deal. It's just best. Simply place your order at an Apple store 
and your gold iPhone will be shipped to you as soon as it's available. No, 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 no. Rafi got you. Here's what you do. Go to your local Apple store. Not in front, but in back. Don't talk to geniuses. Talk to one of my nephews. They all wear gold tank tops and gold sneakers. On eBay, they charge you triple. But for you, you only pay double. It's friend price. I like you. Uh, look, there's no reason to pay double. Just go to the website. Yeah, 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 man. Just go to the website. www. Only two w's. Dot. Give me go phone now. Slash. Okay, I got you. Slash. Thanks, Rafi. You the man. Underscore. You got it, man. Backslash. Gold is best. Dot. Yes. Hashtag. That clip, courtesy of the Conan O'Brien show. So, what exactly is in the iPhone 5s? Well, the good folks at iFixit got their hands on a unit and did what they do and tore it apart. As with last year's model, taking it apart is not for the technically challenged, or even technically moderately challenged, or moderately technically adept. You need to be really careful if you ever pull yours apart. With the 5S, there's a cable from the Touch ID sensor to the base of the unit, so if you pull too hard when opening it, you can damage that cable. One other noted difference this year is Apple securely fastened the battery in with glue. Lots of glue. Most people will not be replacing their own batteries. This is going to be for the pros only. Repairability for the 5S is listed as 6 out of 10, with 10 being the easiest. But note the front glass, digitizer, and LCD are all one component, thus increasing the cost of the repair. Can you say squaretrade.com slash TII to get your warranty? Winners on supplying chips for the iPhone 5S are Qualcomm, TriQuint, Broadcom, TI, Skyworks, and Avago, to name a few. Initially, when iFixit ripped apart the 5S, they could not find the M7 motion processor, but later it was discovered it is made by NXP. The A7, however, is made by Samsung, so Apple is still in bed with Sammy for their processor manufacturing. Please note, Sammy is like Foxconn in this regards. They are the job shop that manufactures the A7, but it is Apple's own engineers that did all the design work. I found this quote about the A7 interesting. Quote, the switch to the A7 marks the first use of a 64-bit processor in a smartphone based on a Nantex review. It seems that the bulk of the A7's performance gains do not come from any advantages inherent to the 64-bit architecture, but rather from the switch from the outdated ARM v7 instruction set to the newly designed ARM v8. The modern ARM v8 instruction set was designed for a 64-bit architecture. It does away with the legacy support of the last 20 years with increased efficiencies, improving performance, and without sacrificing battery life." Unquote. And speaking of the Anantec review, they did some benchmark tests. And how did the iPhone 5S do? Well, it smoked, toasted, and demolished the Android competition. When compared to other smartphones for a JavaScript benchmark, the 5S had a score of 416 milliseconds. Lower is better. Second place was the 5C and the 5 with 727 millisecond times. Then the LG Optimus G Pro at 879. The S4 from Sammy had two versions, one limping in at 920.3 milliseconds and the other dragging in at 1223 milliseconds. Yikes, the, the latter one being the one that's available in the US. In this case, Apple took the gold, silver, and bronze. Next up was the Mozilla Kraken benchmark test. 
Again, lower is better. And again, the 5S was the clear winner. Or as Enantic simply said, amazing. Uh, the 5S had a time of 5,905 milliseconds versus second place Moto X at 9,611 milliseconds. The S4 at 9,838 milliseconds. The iPhone 5 and 5C were down at 1,319 and 1,411 respectively. Yes, the 5S in this case was 2.3 times faster than the 5 and twice as fast as the HTC One. Mind you, these other devices are running at higher clock speeds and likely much higher draw, power draw than the 5S. In the Google Octane test, you guessed it, the 5S smoked the comp with a higher is better score of 5,500 versus just 29.99 for the S4 and 2859 for the 5 and the 5C. Moto X came in at 2454. Yes, the 5S beat all the other smartphones tested and beat them very, very handily. This is where Apple is innovating, at the heart of the device, giving better, much better performance, but also doing it at much lower clock speed and power draw. If that is not innovating at its best, I don't know what is. Other benchmark tests were done by Gizmodo, and yep, the 5S kicked butt and took names there as well. In the Geekbench browser scores, the 5S was the best with a higher is better score of 2538. Second place was the S4, the EU version, souped up version with 2077. And third was the S4 US version with Snapdragon processor with the score of 1797. HTC One came in fourth at 1717 and the iPhone 5 came in at 1278. So yes, the 5S was 2X the speed of the 5 and faster than all its comp by a big margin. Another test for graphics, and again, the 5S kicked all the others' butts. So that is it in a nutshell. The 5S right now is the king of the hill by a wide margin for smartphone performance results. Now, benchmark tests are one thing, but how it performs in real world is a key test. And I can say, having played with my 5S for the past week plus, it is amazingly fast. Going from an iPhone 4S to a 5S is just a great experience. Everything is quick and snappy. There are no lags. Not that the 4S was bad or laggy or really an issue. It's just that the 5S is really fast, just like the benchmark tests indicated. I was leaning towards a new iPad mini this year, but given how nice the 5S is with the A7 performance, I think now I'm just going to go with the 5th gen iPad, assuming it comes with an A7X processor and that the iPad mini is within a six. More on that, I'm sure, in the next few episodes. Let's stick to the iPhones for now. Each year after the teardown, someone or some ones go out and figure out how much it costs to make the iPhone and then show shockingly how this is much less than what you pay for said phone. First off, the aggregate costs for the bill material does not take into account costs for design, development, and testing, or more importantly, assembly, shipping, packaging, and marketing. Put simply, even if you could buy all the components for an iPhone 5S at the $200 price that they estimated, there is no way for you to assemble this on your own and build your own iPhone. So what the bill of material is, is, well, irrelevant. Just like talking about how a $200 adder for the iPhone 64 gig version versus the iPhone 16 gig version is much too high versus the extra cost for the storage. 
since you have no way to edit, it really doesn't matter. Okay, some more of my thoughts on the iPhone 5S. Wow, it is so much faster than my iPhone 4S, and the pictures are so much, much better. And the 3X zoom on the video is great. I joked about slow-mo being an overused feature in amateur porn, but really it is a great feature for sports coaches. I was using it this weekend for shooting video of my kids' football team. I am the coach, and shh, don't tell the league. We are not supposed to be shooting video on the field, but I did, and was going over one of the videos that I shot, and I saw something in slow-mo I totally missed live. And that was one player that I thought broke up a play was not the actually one that broke up a play. It was another player that came in first, reaching for the flag that caused the runner to fall down. But in real time, it looked like it was the second player that made the play. So there you go. You can have some nice real-world use of that slow-mo, especially if you're in the, doing sports, if you're a coach. I sent the video uh, to Max's parents, who's the one that actually broke up the play, and told him what a great play their son had made. And I'm sure they appreciated it as well. Thanks to Stephen W. for the heads up on this next one, which is a mid to longer size blog post from TUAW titled On Apple, the new iPhones and points made and missed, which is a very good post and worth a read. But I will pull the one quote I really liked and agree with 100%, and that is, quote, the bottom line here and one people miss all the time is that Apple designs product for people, not pundits or analysts or even day traders. As Tron fights for the user, so does Apple, unquote. Kudos to UAW for that line and for the great post, which was written by Victor Agrita Jr. I really do think that quote sums this all up. And what I said in the past with Apple, we, the user, are the customers, not the pundits, not Wall Street, and definitely not the advertisers, as is the case with that robot OS. And as long as Apple remains focused on us, the users, I believe that they will continue to garner the lion's share of smartphone and iPad profits or tablet profits. And that means more cool features and devices in the future. But for now, I wholeheartedly recommend the iPhone 5S for anyone currently using the iPhone 4S or earlier. Actually, if you have an iPhone 4 or earlier, no matter how you're using it, I think 100% you should go ahead and upgrade. If you have an iPhone 4S and don't take pictures or shoot video and really just use it for, dare I say, a phone call and for emails and the occasional game of Candy Crush, then sure, stick with the iPhone 4S. But if you use it to take photos, shoot video, run lots of apps, create anything, images, music, or more, then definitely upgrade to the 5S. For those with an iPhone 5, that's a harder call for me to recommend. If your iPhone 5 is your only camera and you have young kids or have your first child on the way, oh yeah, upgrade. If you can afford, that is. But for most iPhone 5 owners, I think you are probably best staying the course and waiting for next year's iPhone 6 or the iPhone 2014 or whatever it is that it'll be called. Now, if you have none if you don't have an iphone and while you're listening to the show you probably were already thinking of planning on upgrading to an iphone from your android or windows phone or feature phone and yes absolutely it is an upgrade as mentioned in the benchmark tests earlier so for anyone outside of the ios ecosystem 100 percent, you should switch over 
I think you'll be very happy with the performance and the feel of the iPhone 5S, both UI feel and physical feel. The folks at Android Authority once again got an iPhone on lunch day and dropped it onto the stone pavement. And guess what? When you drop an iPhone on the glass surface from five feet up onto a stone surface, something's gonna break or shatter. And it ain't the stone. It, of course, is the glass. That is not a shocker, or should not be. The 5S did actually hold up very well when dropped on its back or side. Same with the 5C. But again, the point is, if you are clumsy, get a case. If you run around all day or on, always on the go, get a case. And also, look at getting a Square Trade warranty. So whether you get a, a new 5S or 5C, or even the 4S, you want to protect them if they break. You can put all kinds of crazy cases on them. Or if you get the gold iPhone, you'll likely go around El Natural, naked as in no case on. Excuse me, sir. Is that the new iPhone 5S? Why, yes. Yes, it is. I mean, that is why you, you get the gold one, isn't it? Or it's why I wanted to get the gold one. And if you do go around with a naked iPhone and still want protection, look no further than Square Trade for your warranty. Unlike Apple Care Plus, Square Trade covers you even when you are jailbroken. Big kudos to Square Trade for that. Often get questions about some specifics of Square Trade. And I pass those along for answers. One past question was, quote, what happens with our Square Trade warranty when an iPhone is replaced by Apple? What happens when the phone is stolen and we get new ones? Unquote. The answer back from Square Trade on these questions was, quote, we cover multiple replacements by Apple and we even waive the deductible when you go to the Genius Bar for a replacement. We do not cover stolen devices, but we will refund the unused portion on your warranty, so you can use that to help pay for a new one, unquote. If you go to the URL, squaretrade.com forward slash TII, that's squaretrade.com forward slash TII, you can get your iPhone warranty for just $94. Even if it shows 124 when you first get there, just click through after you select the, the iPhone you want to get the warranty for, click through, and as a TII listener, you will see the $30 discount when you make that click. If you have kids or clumsy or plan on being out and about with your iOS device, you owe it to yourself to protect your investment, and Square Trade is a nice peace of mind to have. It removes a little bit of stress when you use your iOS device. Thanks, Square Trade, for sponsoring this episode. Oh, and for the record, I have had four different iPhones leading up to getting the 5S, and of those four, I have had three broken screens while the devices were under the two-year-old warranty periods, including one break when it was in a protective case and I stepped on the iPhone while it was in the pocket of my shorts that were laying on the bathroom floor. Uh, one fell out of my lap on a Southwest Airlines flight when I got up to stand up and I forgot it was on my lap and the glass hit a bolt sticking out of the floor holding the seat down in front of me. iPhones break, Square Trade helps cover the repair. Yes, I'm getting a Square Trade warranty for my 5S. SquareTrade.com slash TII for your $30 discount on your warranty. We mentioned supply of the 5S was going to be constrained for a while, likely until the end of 2013, if not longer. Well, to help increase demand sooner, 
rather than later, it looks like regional carriers such as Alaska Communications, Blue Guy Cellular, Appalachian Wireless, Seaspire, Cellcom, GCI, MTA, Next Tech Wireless, and Nintelos, Strata will be getting both the 5C and the 5S sooner rather than later, with October 1st being the launch dates for those carriers. That is 11 days after the big four in the U.S. Also, Canadian regional carrier MTS and also Saskatel will be getting the 5C and the 5S on October 1st as well. Note, last year the 5 hit those carriers seven days after launch on September 28th, so it's a little pushed out this year, but not much. With the 5S, one of the biggest and most talked about good and bad new feature is the fingerprint scanner, Touch ID. For Let's first talk about the good. It works really well. I never used a lock code on my iPhone except for a few times at a conference or traveling when I was afraid it had a higher probability of getting stolen. And even then, most of the times, I did not use one. As I found, it's just a pain to re-enter my code all the time as I'm constantly locking and unlocking the screen. With the 5S and Touch ID, it is simply amazing how quick and easy it is to unlock it. It does take about 30 seconds to go through setting up a fingerprint, and I will recommend you as the primary user, you set up your thumbprints, and you do not, uh, and you do use both thumbs from email. Hi Rob, when setting up Touch ID, include your spouse's or partner's fingerprint also, just in case. Regards, Dave B, Palm Springs, California. Thanks, Dave. Yep. I recommend that as well. Good to have at least one other person with access. Plus, not setting them up makes them wonder what you're hiding. When doing the fingerprint setup, the instructions can be a little confusion. At one point, it tells you in big letters to touch the sensor. Then in big letters, lift up. And then in big letters to touch. And then lift. And then touch. And then lift. And then touch. And then on the last touch, in smaller letters, it says touch and lift multiple times. Make sure to get all the way around your thumb. Why I only recommend your thumbs, well, we'll get to that in a few minutes. To set up the fingerprint, uh, go to settings, then general, then passcode and fingerprint. Hi, Rob. This is Gary in St. Petersburg, Florida. Regarding the Touch ID sensor, I love my 5S. I did a few little tests, and if I pressed the sensor repeatedly uh, out of 100 tries, I got a try again six times. Interestingly, four of those times were within the first 20 tries, so possibly it's learning as we go along. The other thing I did was to relearn three fingerprints, and uh, out of three fingerprints, I touched 100 times, and only the last time, uh, got to try again. So that was only one out of 100 that time. And I think, honestly, I kind of misstepped on that. When I did it again with five fingerprints, all all the same finger now, I got zero out of 100 uh, try again. So it seems like if you learn the same finger multiple times, uh, it becomes more and more accurate. Also, it may be learning as we uh, go along so that the more you use a finger, that it becomes more accurate. But I thought that was interesting. Thanks, Rob. Hi, Gary. Thanks for the call and feedback. But let me tell you one really good reason not to use one finger all for all five of your prints that you can store. Yes, it does get your false negatives pretty close to zero. But you know what? It's pretty darn good already. But the main reason not to use one finger five times has to do with iTunes purchases. If you go to purchase something, 
how do you know which of the five profiles it is picking? Which means you only have about a 20% chance of it thinking it is the correct fingerprint for iTunes. If you want to double or triple up the finger that you use the most to unlock it, go for it. But don't do all five profiles for one finger and only do one profile for the fingerprint that you are going to be using for iTunes Store Unlock. Remember, iTunes Store Unlock, they only can, you can only assign one of the five fingerprints to that. And you definitely don't want to do that if you're assigning all five of the profiles to the same finger. Per which fingerprint is assigned to iTunes Store Purchases, I believe it's the first one listed in your list of fingerprints, and which you need to turn on right from the same screen where you go to set up the fingerprints. Hey Rob, it's Chris in Marietta, California, calling to give you my review on the 5S. Lucky enough to have my wife go stand in line for me since I had to work that morning. She got me the 32 gig black or whatever color it is, 5S, pretty happy with it. I gotta figure though, I came from a iPhone 4. Quick review, the thumbprint scan option works awesome. So much easier just to stick my thumb on it or the couple of fingers that I've set in there so far. Let it know that it's me and it opens right up. It's super fast. It feels great. The Some of the changes in new operating system are pretty nice. So all in all, I'm really happy with the improvement. I think out of everything, the camera is incredible. The pictures it takes, especially in low light, is outstanding. I was dealing with blurry pictures and just not the greatest quality. And now we get a crisp, clear picture in low light conditions, uh, even without the flash. And the flash really makes a big difference when we do use it with the color options. One little uh, side note is when my wife was standing in line, apparently somebody came out of the uh, Apple store in Temecula with a gold colored iPhone and somebody else in line offered them $1,300 in cash for the phone and they turned it down. So I would have taken it, but that's all. Uh, thanks for the show. Listen to it every week. You put it out, and I uh, really appreciate all the work you do. Have a good one. Bye. Chris, thanks for the feedback. Some of the other features around Touch ID that many do not seem to understand are, one, if you reboot your iOS device, you must enter your security code. You cannot use Touch ID after a reboot. Two, if you have not unlocked your iPhone in the last 48 hours, you will need to use your passcode. Three, if you get successive failed fingerprint scans, if you get five of them, you will need to use your passcode. So five fails and passcode only. So Apple has put in place some good real-world safeguards to help make Touch ID even more secure. On top of its already great ease and speed of use for daily access, when you are locking and unlocking all day long. Apple did warn that excessively sweaty fingers can and will be an issue. So if you are out for a jog on a hot, humid day and you can't get a dry fingerprint, you can still use the passcode to get access. I bring all this up because as quick as that, someone showed how to hack Touch ID. That someone being the Chaos Computer Club in Germany that they showed how they could take a very high-res photo of a fingerprint from the glass surface and then create a fake fingerprint that can unlock, unlock Touch ID. Some have reported this as an easy hack. It is not. This was done by one of the world's foremost experts on this type of thing. 
Does this mean your ex or soon-to-be ex could not hire a professional to do the same thing? Sadly, no, it does not mean that. If they have the money, could. Here is the process involved. Quote, first, the residual fingerprint from the phone is either photographed or scanned with a flatbed scanner at 2400 DPI. Then the image is converted to black and white, inverted, and mirrored. The image is then printed onto transparent sheet uh, 1200 DPI to create the mold. The mask is then used to expose the fingerprint structure on the photosensitive PC board material. The PCB material is then developed, etched, and cleaned. After this process, the mold is ready. A thin coat of graphite spray is applied and to ensure an improved capacitive uh, response. This also makes it easier to remove the fake fingerprint. Finally, the thin film of white wood glue is smeared onto the mold after the glue cures. The new fake fingerprint is ready for use, unquote. Yes, they are talking about acid etching PC board material. This is not something anyone or any Joe off the street is going to know how to do or be able to follow because they saw some video on YouTube. Again, a professional determined can do this. Your average thief, no. Now, getting a clean, reusable fingerprint is not quite as easy as some link bait and fandroid sites may make it out to be. And if you really want it to be secure, just use your pinkies to unlock your phone. I mean, go ahead and pick up your phone and start using it. How many times does your pinky hit the screen? For me, it's zero, never, nada. But this is where you need to pick between convenience and hypersecurity. I will say this. Even though Touch ID has been shown it can be hacked, the probability of someone lifting a clean fingerprint off your iPhone and it being the correct finger and them being able to etch a copy and then unlock it within five attempts, we're talking a really, really low chance of this happening. The guys that showed this working set up the glass to be clean except for one pristine fingerprint they placed on the glass. This was an ideal setup. And even then, they had issues and had to update their method to get this to work. And they knew that the fingerprint they had would unlock the phone. And they're also really, really big-time experts on this. And with all this talk about Touch ID being hacked, let's not forget the most important thing here. Touch ID, while not 100% secure, as shown here, is a lot, lot better than what I had for security before, which was nothing and which over 50% of smartphone users have, which is nothing. A good analogy on this is how many people lock their front doors to their houses? How about your back door or your side doors? Really, why? Anyone determined to get into your house will get in. A locked door will not keep out a professional thief. But you lock your doors because you feel it will keep some people out of your home. And touch ideas like that only much more secure than your house. Plus, I am sure someone will come out with a screen film to place on your phone, on your iPhone 5S screen, that is, that distorts fingerprints such that you cannot take photos of them to use in the spoof. Expect that on Kickstarter any day now. And just make sure you use a case that's not good for fingerprints as well. Some sort of cloth or coarse leather material would be good in that area. At the end of the day, Apple has presented a simple, quick, and accurate way 
to use your fingerprint to unlock your phone. It is not 100% foolproof, but for most people, it is more than enough security to keep the content safe. And it is much, much better than what people used before, which basically was nothing. Hi, Rob. This is Steve from Encino, listener since 2008 and a first-time caller. Just got the uh, 5S, and right off the bat, I see an issue which I have not really read about in the media or, or heard about on anything. Uh, it has to do with the uh, password lock. When the fingerprint sensor is activated, uh, it only allows the timing to be immediately versus different intervals such as 15 minutes, so on and so forth. So I tried to work around. I uh, turned off the fingerprinting sensor, went in, and it, all the numbers came up, the intervals, and I set it for 15 minutes. Uh, and then when I went to react, activate the, uh, the fingerprinting sensor, uh, everything reverted back to immediately. So I'm wondering if there's a workaround, if you're familiar with, I'll call it a problem because it would be nice not to have to... Uh, uh, activate it, you know, turn it on through the passcode every moment you turn off the phone. So that's why I'm calling, and uh, I look forward to uh, hearing any kind of a response. Thank you so much. Steve, thanks for the voicemail message, and nope, don't see any way around it. Looks like uh, your only options once you turn on the fingerprint is that you have to use it. It's immediate. So I guess Apple's thinking, well, it's so easy to use, no reason not to use it all the time. My guess is that's not going to change anytime soon, if ever. I did have some asking if Apple could or why did Apple not put in double authentication, both uh, fingerprint and passcode. At first, I thought, yeah, that would make it really secure. So even if someone did create a spoof fingerprint from a non-smudged miracle fingerprint, they would still need to put in a passcode. And here is where I had an issue with that. Now you need two keys to get in, the fingerprint and the passcode. Not or, but and. And and can be an issue if your fingerprint is hot or sweaty and you try a few times and it fails five times, then what? Or your fingerprint gets burned or injured and didn't work, then what? Seems then you would need to have a third passcode and that if your fingerprint fails, you need to enter it. And it just seems that it starts getting convoluted. I don't know, maybe Apple goes with a fingerprint and then a four-digit passcode. And if your fingerprint does not work after five attempts, then you need to enter in a longer eight-digit passcode and then the smaller four-digit passcode. But if you forget the longer code, it just starts to get away from being what is meant to be a featured tech you don't even think about using, and that it just works and the tech gets out of your way to something that just is convoluted. One last note on Touch ID. It does not just have to be your fingerprint that you use. It has been shown to be unlocked with toes, a cat's paw, dog's paw, a human's nipple, and even a man's penis. So if you really want to make it secure, well, use your pinky fingerprint and leave those other gimmicky ideas where they belong on YouTube as videos showing how low you will go to push something against the touch sensor ID. Hello, Rob. This is Justin from Pennsylvania. I'm sure at some point in the show, your next show, you're going to be talking about the hacking group that was able to lift a print and spoof the fingerprint scanner on the phone. And, and everyone, I read everywhere and everyone is saying something like, why didn't Apple allow you to have two-factor uh, two 
unlocking your phone where you have to use your fingerprint plus the code, which would make it more secure. And I, you know, at first I thought, yeah, well, that would be a good feature for, you know, maybe someone who's a government employee. But then I thought about it. I'm like, didn't they kind of do that with the, you know, activation lock with Find My iPhone? If you can get into the phone, yeah, you can get all the contacts and stuff, but to actually make that phone yours and wipe it, you need, you still need that other password. Isn't that two-factor? And I, I kind of feel like everywhere I read, and no one's mentioning that there is a two-factor to actually wipe the phone. I guess I'm just confused and about this whole situation. And I, I think I was wondering if you agree. It was like, doesn't I feel like the internet yet again has come up with a different storyline that is not the accurate one. <laughs> so thanks again, Rob. Love the show. Can't wait to hear your next episode. Thank you. Bye. Justin, you do bring up a good point there that even if someone does get in with a hacked fingerprint, they still can't turn off Find My iPhone and they can't get real good control of it. But they can get access to all your information. If you have pictures in there that you might not want public, they can email them out. They can go through emails. So there are things that they can still get to without that passcode, but they can't take control of the phone and make it their own and wipe it clean if you've got uh, other codes set up. They'll still need to know that to do the other things. Hey, Rob, this is Jody again. Hey, uh, I love your comment about um, you mentioned that Apple, um, this, it's all about the internal parts of the iPhone 5S. And I, I really dug that comment um, because it said to me that Apple, you know, is still innovating. And I really look, uh, looked closely at the specs and they are superior to all of the so-called Samsung offerings, the Motorola offerings, the Windows 8 phone, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll, I really will give you that. Uh, I love iOS 7. I love that is a leap forward. And um, I still would like to have a larger screen. But the, what the new iPhone is offering now, I'm definitely going to buy it because I have a 4S and it would be a major leap forward. And as you, as you recommended, if you have a 4S, you know, the 5S uh, will be a great leap forward for you. So, you know, I appreciate your comments. However, here's my last thing. I guess it sort of saddened me that you played creepy music behind me twice. And I thought, that your show was about exchanging ideas and really I listened to your show to learn from you and I guess not to have uh, creepy music played behind me on two posts because you might not have agreed with my opinion. I say things on this show and, and ask you because I want to know what your opinion is and I value your opinion and I've been listening to your show from the very first episode. So, you know, but hey, that's just my a little beef, but it's all good. Still love the show. All right, Rob, Rob, peace. Jody, thanks for the feedback. And you'll notice no music behind you that time. But in all fairness, anybody that sends in a voicemail message saying that Tim Cook should be fired at Apple, which both your messages did, will get creepy guy music behind them because that is an how wrong were they comment. So anytime anyone says anything about getting Tim Cook the, or giving Tim Cook the axe or getting him out of Apple, I just think is plain wrong and definitely well-deserved of the creepy guy music. So please don't take the music personally. It was just about the comments about Tim Cook that deservedly got you the music. Into the email bag. Hey Rob, one thing I just noticed upon installing iOS 7 on my iPad 4th Gen, the weather app is now there. It never was before. 
it was more of a boast than previous versions as well, which may be a mixed blessing. Regards, Kevin B. Hi, Rob. Regarding iOS 7, did the Mail app lose the ability to parse search by search fields from to and subject and all? Did I miss something? Regards, Brent in Chicago Ill. Hi, Brent. Yep, sure looks that way. Now you can search in all mailboxes or just the current one. That seems to be a replacement to the from to or subject or all. Now it's just all and either in all mailboxes or just the one you happen to currently be in. Hi, Rob. In episode 283, you said that you had to swipe right to delete an email in iOS 6 and left in an email in iOS 7. Actually, in iOS 6, you could swipe left or right. For those of us who did it correctly in iOS 6, left, there is no change. Regards, Don. Hi, Don. Thanks for the email. And yes, you are correct. Amazingly, over all the time I have used iOS 6, I never swiped left to delete. Not once. It was always swipe to the right. Hi, Rob. The iPhone 5S has a gorgeous 4-inch retina display. Why do people think a bigger screen would be better if it makes the phone much more cumbersome to use in your hand? I think Apple has done a beautiful job with the new iPhone 5S and will continue to innovate in the future. I do agree with the user who has problems reading in bed that a bigger screen would help. But will Apple make a bigger screen? I don't know. But if they do, will it be over 5 inches? Probably not. As for me, I am perfectly content with the 4-inch screen. Back to the user who has had problems with reading in bed, they should try making the font bigger and bolder. Also, Apple will only change the screen size if it will enhance the user experience. If they think that a 4.3-inch display will benefit me, then I'm willing to try it. Regards, Nathan. Yep, that's how I feel right now. I can get my thumb anywhere on the screen in one-handed operation, any bigger or much bigger, and it becomes something you need two hands for. And that is what is, in my mind, the iPad mini is for. But I will say, moving up from the 4S to the 5S, the extra amount of screen size did make a bigger difference positively than I thought it would. Again, for me, the current size of the 5S seems perfect for one-hand use. Back to the email back. Hi, Rob. What does the crescent moon on the status bar mean under iOS 7? Regards, Stephen in Houston. Hi, Stephen. It means that you had Do Not Disturb turned on. Shh. Don't be disturbed. Hi, Rob. I've been using iOS 7 for about a week now, and overall I really like it, but there are a few things that I'm missing and I'm hoping they're hidden somewhere. First, I really like the speak feature. When you select a text, one of the options that used to come up Next to the cut, copy, and paste feature was speak feature that read out loud what was selected. I really like this, but I can't find it now. The other is that I can't seem to add attachments to emails. Am I crazy? This was something that used to be able to do, right? Another thing I can't figure out is background updates for apps. How do I turn this off on cellular? I don't want to use up my data, so I disallowed App Store using cellular data at all but now I can't search for or download any apps if I'm not on Wi-Fi. Is there a better way to do this? Thanks, Jesse. Hi, Jesse. I'm still seeing the Speak option in iOS 7. I see it in the email app, Safari, and the Notes app. Where are you not seeing this? Per attachments. Nope, that wasn't there before. You could, from an open document, email it out, but you could not select attachments to add to an email. Per turning off cellular data, 
for apps downloads, go to settings, iTunes and App Store, scroll to the bottom and turn off use cellular data. Hey Rob, I have a question for those of us that want to use iOS devices in a corporate environment. What ports are used in iTunes radio? We are using iPads in our work environment, but the devices have gone off and accepted the download and our users went ahead and accepted the update. Now we have hundreds of users whom are now discovering in iOS 7 that they're starting to stream iTunes radio. I'd like to just get this blocked at the firewall for the company issued devices. Regards, Francisco. Hi, Francisco. I will throw that one out to the audience. Any IT people out there that can help, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com if you know how to block iTunes radio on an iPad. Hey Rob, my favorite new feature in iOS 7 is in the Mail app. I have three different Exchange accounts, and I've just discovered that you can enable an unread folder which just displays all of your unread email regardless of the account that that email is in. This saves me a huge amount of time as I don't need to scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll to locate the unread emails buried beneath thousands of red ones. To enable this, start mail. Make sure you are in the mailbox view, not emails. Tap edit in the top left. Tap a place uh, and place a tick next to the unread option and then tap done in the left, and that's it. You can also untick options that you might not use. I never use the VIP or flags, and rearrange the order of your mailboxes here as well. Regards, Dex. Hi, Dex, very nice tip. I actually just set my wife's uh, iPad up for that option, and she likes it. Much easier than scrolling through and looking around for any unread emails, and she has multiple email accounts as well. And so now she can find all her unreads in one place. And once you read them, they obviously, then they move out of the unread folder. So nice. Hi, Rob. All the whining about Apple's lack of innovation is making me think the audience needs to be educated some more. I think this is how innovation works at Apple. Apple asks, how do people use their phones? One, they take lots of pictures. The innovation, better camera sensor, true tone flash, image stabilization. Two, they lose their phones a lot. Innovation, disable, find my phone uh, to restore, and touch ID. Three, they actually use our phones. Innovation, longer battery life. Four, they listen to music a lot. Innovation, iTunes radio, and touch ID for easy buying. Five, they play games and other intensive applications. Innovation, 64-bit, two times faster processor with prior than the I, for the prior iPhone, M7 motion coprocessor, that is innovation that is completely centered around what the users do with their phones. I do agree that a bigger screen would be nice primarily for reading, but other than that, it is clear Apple is in the forefront of using innovation rather than feature creep. Best regards, Sergio. Yo, Rob, this is Jody again. Yeah, man, you know, I was checking some things out online, and you know, I must give you your mad props because, you know, I had come to you earlier about you know Apple's lack of innovation but I've been seeing some articles about what's happening and this is why I love 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 your show dude because you know the last time we talked you know and I might be redundant you know from my last call but you'd mentioned the internal specifications of the iPhone itself and so I took a closer look at that and I compared it to some of the other you know 
uh, so-called Samsung, Moto X, or in other words, Android offerings. And I must say that the iPhone is far, far superior as far as its internal workings. Now, what that means to me is this, you know, I'd rather have a phone that has stronger internal workings, which means, you know, I have a longer lasting, technologically superior phone. And I hope that just hope that makes sense as opposed to a quick flash in a pan from the Samsungs and so on and so forth. Because to me, what that means is that, you know, if I've got, you know, fast processors, great cameras, so on and so forth, it means that as the new um uh, versions of iOS 7 comes out, you know, Apple's going to go up, up, up and up. So, you know, I just want to give you your mad props, dude. You know, you know what you're talking about. You know, it's why I love your show and I call you the iPhone guru. So, you know what? Peace, love and hair grease, dude. I'm out. And by the way, I put my own music <laughs> uh, behind me so you won't have to play any creepy music. All right. This is some own stuff I did on GarageBand. Peace on the iPhone. Later. Jody, thanks for the feedback and for the music. Back to the email back. Hi, Rob. I was interested in the cable you mentioned on episode 283. And when I went to the website and clicked on the link, but the planning page said it was page not found. Thought you'd want to know. Regards, Stephanie F., Henderson, Nevada. Hi, Steph. The company has pulled the product from their site right after I released the episode. This was the uh, Crosslink product. I contacted them about this, and here is what they had to say. Quote, hi, Rob. First, thanks for including the Crosslink in your podcast. I regret to inform you that as of right now, we have pulled the product from our website due to some compatibility concerns with the new iOS 7 updates. There was an error that would automatically prompt when connected to the phone, so we are working to resolve that issue. We apologize for the inconvenience. Regards, Mara. Unquote. If and when they get this back up, I will let you know, as I was planning on buying a couple of these for myself as well. One question I saw on Google Plus was, how do you decline a call in iOS 7 from the lock screen? As now in iOS 7 from the lock screen, the option to decline is no longer showing. It does show if your iPhone is unlocked and you are using it, but not when locked. Well, you have two options. One is to hit the power button twice at the top of the phone. That works as a decline. Or you can tap on the remind me option, then select one hour. Do not repeat, do not select, remind me when you leave or when you get home. Those two options to turn on location services will drain your battery. Just select, remind me in one hour if you choose to choose it from the screen. Or just double tap the power button at the top and don't have to worry about any of that issues. Okay, so maybe iOS 7.0.2 did not fix all bugs. There is another one that was found in iOS 7.0.2 and is one that gives access to your phone. There is a video in, on how to do this over at YouTube. I have a link to it in the show notes. Um, and how you reproduce this bug is the following. One, make a phone call with Siri slash the voice control. Two, click on the FaceTime button. Three, when the FaceTime app appears, click the sleep button. Four, unlock the iPhone. Five, answer and end the FaceTime call at the other end. 
six, wait a few seconds, seven, done. You are now in the phone app. Uh, again, link in the show notes to that one. does seem like it's not a major bug, but still one where someone gets hold of your phone, they can then start making phone calls, which could be bothersome and, well, expensive, I guess. So, yeah, I guess that could be a major problem. Expect 7.0.3 within a week. Thanks again to our sponsors today. First up, Audible for supporting this show. And please visit audiblepodcast.com forward slash TII for your free audiobook download if you're in the U.S. and Canada. Also to Square Trade for your iPhone warranty, just $94 for a two-year warranty. You save $30 by going to squaretrade.com forward slash TII. And finally, thanks to Candy Crush for sponsoring this show. On your iPhone, go to todayinios.com slash candy. If you want to know when a new episode goes up, look at the TI app, not just as the best way to consume the show, but also as a great way to get push messages when a new episode is live. Or if there's other iOS breaking news, just $2.99 in the App Store. It helps you get the most out of the show, and it helps support the show at the same time. Plus, it makes it really easy to email the show or call the show with your feedback. Again, just search for TII in the iTunes App Store. And I will do my best to send out a push if I get any information or about an upcoming launch for the iPad event. So there's going to be news about the iPad event coming soon. So be on lookout for that in your TII app. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. The feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else, an app review, a product review, good or bad, as long as it's iOS related, it is welcomed. I am always looking for new artwork to feature on the show that you've created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we are always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. It's your show and your feedback is greatly desired. Next episode will likely be the week of October 7th, probably around the 9th or 10th. I'll be at the LA PodFest this coming weekend, October 4th to the 6th, which is in LA. If you are going, please say hi at the event. It should be a good event. And if you are in the LA area and we're not planning on going and really like comedy podcasts, you should look into this. It's going to be some of the best podcasters there. Uh, go to LA Pod fest.com for more info and some of the biggest comedy podcasters are doing live shows at the event and well i'll be there not doing comedy but rather talking tech and business with regards to podcasting at some of the uh, more tech oriented sessions lapodfest.com for more info uh see you or at least some of you in la the rest i'll talk to you again somewhere around october 9th or 10th maybe earlier if apple has any breaking news before then and wow, we went over two hours. So this is uh, without a doubt our longest episode ever. And I actually cut a bunch of things out tonight while I was recording when I realized we would have gone three hours. Uh, and well, that'll be in the next episode. I already moved it forward in the show notes. And again, that folks is going to do it for us today. Well, actually not really. Well, yes, it is. I was going to put some extra stuff at the end, but I'm not going to do that. We're just going to go with music and end this episode because it's pretty darn long. So until the next time. I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. 
This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. Something's in the way, and according to the prophecy, we can reveal the change.